Good evening, listeners. This is Steve Perriman on the Steve Perriman podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've got such a special guest this week, and I know I announced it last week because of the mess up with the with the uh, the power in this house, the electricity cut. But um, so you, you you all know that it's going to be John H. Tracy. So welcome, John. How are you? How's your health? Fantastic. Yeah, very good. Playing golf, so that's good. Keeping you Good fit. That. Enjoying me fit. Um, keep keeping fit. Yeah, still do me runs. Do you love it? Yeah. It's so, so um, welcome, John. Yeah. Um, Thank you. John was the welterweight boxing champion of the world. The world. Um, how, how does that sound, mate? How old were you when uh, you did that? I was twenty-five. Twenty-five and three months old in Mexico City. It was. Yeah, all them years ago, nineteen. Uh, it was nineteen seventy-five, December the sixth, and uh, can never forget it. Obviously, yeah, and uh, yeah, great, great time, great time. A, a Cuban, you fought? Yes, I fought uh, Jose Naples. Um, he was a Cuban, but he domiciled in Mexico because um, Castro banned professional sports in Cuba. Wow. So a lot of sports people, women and men, went went away from there. And he happened to go to Mexico and then box out of Mexico as a professional so he could earn some money because they weren't, weren't allowing people in, yeah. in, in Cuba. So, yeah. And, Fantastic. Uh, great champion. I mean, he, he, I think he defended the title about 15 times. Did he? So, yeah, yeah. I'm told that he was an odds-on favourite. To beat you. Well, he would have been there because it was in Mexico City. Uh, he wouldn't come over to England um, and box because, you know, quite right, he's the champion. He's yeah. gone, done a lot of visits to America. He, he actually came over in 1972 prior to that to box my stablemate, Ralph Charles. Yeah. And um, he beat Ralph and I actually sparred with him that um, a week before. I sparred with Naples in a gym in London. So uh, amazing. Yes, yeah, St. Pancras. Yeah, over St. Pancras. And um, just, you know, just to see how he was. And did that give you any clues how to beat him? Well, I'll tell you what it did do. It was strange because my manager, Terry Lawless, he noticed I was catching him good with a left hand. And now I am left handed, but I boxed uh, orthodox. But I should have boxed Southport, yeah. you know, the yeah. right. I couldn't throw the right as a kid, so I used to just throw the left. And then uh, I t- and then I turned round to Orthodox. And um, I was catching him with the left hand quite a lot. And Lawless, give him his due, he turned around and said, I've done five rounds of him. And he said, in the fifth round, he said, just throw your left hand as if you don't have your right hand. So I said, why is that? He said, just do it. So I did it. <laughs> And then I was catching him, of course. And then when we got in the car to go back home, I said to him, why would you ask me just to throw the jab? He said, because the way you hit him a few times, I think that if you do box him in a couple of years' time or so, that's the thing that's going to beat him, the jab. Brilliant. And funnily enough, if you look at the fight, towards the end, the last three rounds or so, it is the jab that really catches him a lot. So... It was a wise move. <laughs> it was good. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. 
John, so how did you cope with the, uh, the altitudes? Well, I'll tell you where I was lucky. I'd boxed in the Olympics in 1968 in Mexico as ah. a lightweight. Yes. And when we, yeah, and, and we were there, Steve, three weeks before we could do anything. Now, normally, if you go to a country, you know, wherever you're talking about Canada, Sweden, um, uh, Germany, or whatever, you wouldn't have an altitude problem. But in Mexico, it's seven and a half thousand feet above sea level. Yes. What happened um, when we went there the first time, we had to just walk around for about four or five days, not doing nothing because of the, the rarefied atmosphere. Yeah. So I knew all that when I'd come back. And so when, when, we, uh, when I got the fight, he wouldn't come over to England. Lawless said, well, look, we'll go. We'd have to go there. How long do you think we should be there? And I said, about a month. We'll have to be there before for, to get the altitude with us, you know. Yeah, of course. So that was a big help as well. And plus, he didn't know I'd boxed in the Olympics. Yeah. So that was a good bonus for us. So it took away a bit of the unknown. Very much so. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it did there's, do that. There's nothing like revisiting a place that you've had a bit of success before and you have the knowledge of the place. Oh. And, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. This is a true story. We had a day off after one of the fights we, I had and then the, all of us went to the ball ring in Mexico City. We went to the ball ring and we watched this ball fight. Never seen one before. I was only 18 and a few days old and I hated it. And we all threw our... Uh, what they call it, your, your seat, you know, your cushions, cushions. Threw them in and we walked out and we all swore that we'd never go to a Mexican, uh, never go to a ball ring again in our whole lives. Now, I used to go to Spain a lot and play golf, but I never, ever went to a ball ring. Yeah. And then when the fight came round, it was in the ball ring in Mexico where I said, I've never done it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, the t you were the top ball on the night. Yeah, yeah. So it was it, it was just all amazing, really, how it all fell into position, you know, into place. Fantastic. John, I'm going to ask you about yeah. your young days. Yes. And I've got an email from someone called David Matthews. Yeah. So, hi, David, if you're listening. Your next podcast will be of particular interest to me as the excellent John H. Stracy attended the same Bethnal Green Secondary School, Daneford, as me and my brother back in the 60s. Be interesting if he has any memories of the sports-loving headmaster, Mr. Petz, and his stick-happy deputy, Mr. Perry. Yes. Have you got any memories of those two, particularly? Very much so, yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, Petsy was, Mr. Petz was the headmaster. And uh, every day you got the sermon off him to start the, the day. Uh, Mr. Perry was a big fella, you know, he was quite fat. Um, and when, when you got the stick off of him, what we call a stick, you'd go to his office and he'd stand there and he'd get on his chair and he'd jump off his chair and he'd hit you. Whack! And he'd hit you three or four, you know, four times, whatever it was. Um, and he was a strange guy. Mr. Mr. Perry was a strange guy. Mr. Petz was a lot better, but he still would give you the whack, you know, in the office. Sure. He'd give you a, a few whacks. Um, but, yeah, I remember him very well. In fact, I was talking about him the other day, and Petz and Perry, you can't forget. 
it was yeah. that was our teachers, you know, headmaster yeah. and deputy head. And when you're getting the whack, where are you getting the whack on? Is it on, on the, the fingers on the hand on the back on the side? Back side with pet with pet Perry. Um, pets used to give you that on the hand, and sometimes um, we had other teachers who would who would run at you and hit you. You know, yeah. it was a strange strange place. Um, but that's where Ronnie and Reggie went as well. Our school was it. Ronnie and Reggie Cray went to the same school, and Gary Cray. And funny enough, you know those girls. This is a strange one. You know the girls who run off to be jihadi brides. Yeah. Well, they they were from Bethnal Green. They went to the same school as well. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah, Paul yeah. Miller. Paul Miller sends his regards. He must be from Bethnal Green. Ah, oh, all right, Paul. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think. I think your mum's had a link, didn't they? Did they work together or something? My mum, possibly. Yeah. My mum was um, a, 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 what I call it, a machinist. Okay. Um, in, in Hackney. In, in Hackney. the rag trade. Yeah, in, yeah, in Hackney. Um, just just by the uh, the picture, picture house there in uh, Well Street, by Well Street. Yes. So she yes. used to, uh, yeah, so she used to work there. But, I, uh, used, yeah. I used to uh, deal with a sports shop in Wells Street. Um, really? tri Triangle Sports. Nice guy called Derek. So I, I used to go there once every three months to, yeah. to have a talk with him. And so, so I know all about oh, that area. Fantastic. But, uh, so, so tell me about growing up, your childhood. How, how was it? Well, um, I lived behind the Blind Beggar where um, Ronnie Cray shot Georgie Cornell. Uh, in those days, that was 1960. 60 did that, but I, I, I was actually, believe it or not, I was, I was born in Barking. I wasn't born in Bethnal Green, um, but I didn't know that until I was 17. And me and me dad were on holiday, and I've got the, I'm now boxing in the Olympic Games, and I've got to get a passport. So we're in, um, uh, in a holiday camp in Pakefield, Pontins, Lowestoft. So my dad came come to this photographer's and um, they took a picture of me and then I had to write out this form. So I said, Dad, whereabouts in Bethnal Green was I born? Whereabouts, whereabouts? Because I'd never asked before. And he said, well, um, I better tell you. He said, you, you were born in, in Upney Hospital in Barking. And I went, oh, I always thought it was Bethnal Green, Dad. He said, well, <laughs> I didn't want to say nothing. Anyway... Um, but yeah, so I was born there. But what happened? My dad uh, didn't like his job there about 1951. And so from there, we moved back to where we come from in Bethnal Green, uh, yeah. beyond Blind Beggar, the the, uh, the council estate beyond the Blind, Blind Beggar, Collingwood Estate. And I lived there until 1976. So from 19, end of 1951, early 52. But that's where I grew up all, all my life, and uh, and that's where I was running around. And, and brothers, uh, sisters, yeah, two brothers, one sister. Um, where do you fit in amongst those? I was last. I was last born. The baby. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, well, I say funny enough. My me, me brother actually died quite a few years ago, but my sister died just uh, last week. So. Oh, bless her. Yeah, yeah, she, she's listening to this. Oh, Maybe. bless her. Maybe. And so I got to ask the question, were you the punch bag for the rest of them, being the smallest 
or the the youngest. In a way, in a way, yeah. But I could handle myself, even though I was small. My sister used to jump in and, and take the idings for me off my dad <laughs> because she didn't like me getting whacked by him. Um, but when I say idings, you know, you got to whack sure. around the door. Absolutely. In the back of the leg. I mean, my dad and mum were great. They were fantastic. Yeah. So, but yeah, you had to be disciplined because yeah. you come uh, when you come from a council estate, Steve, all you do is, is you're in trouble all the time, fighting all the time, you know. So uh, that's what that's why I started boxing because of fighting all the time. That's I had to be controlled and calmed down. So you're so, brought up. You're brought up by good, hardworking, honest people. Absolutely. Yeah, and you could handle yourself. Yeah. When, when did it? When did it start? Sort of officially in terms of your training to be a better boxer and and that yeah. sort of. What What happened? That the reason I started boxing was because. I was always fighting as a kid. And the reason being, I was very small, Steve. When I left school, believe it or not, at 15 and a half, I was seven stone seven. Now that's small. That's small. Right? And I used to be a messenger in the stock exchange. So what happened when I was at school, I was always fighting, getting in trouble. So you get the, the parents of the kid I've whacked would come up to our flats where we lived on the fourth floor, you know, and say, uh, look what your son's done to my son. And he may have like a busted nose or his eye might be blooded. Um, but I always used to say, but dad, he started on me first. I never hit him first. He started on me. And, and I did. I, I never hit anyone before they hit me. Um, but because I was small, I'd get picked on, you see. Yeah, yeah. So I'd go bang, bang, bang and, and put them away. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened from there, my dad just turned around and said to me, Look, he said, you're always fighting. You're always in trouble. He said, if you want to fight, he said, I'll take you to a boxing club and you can box there. And I, and I just gave it. I said, yeah, all right, then if you want to do that, yeah, we'll do that. And he took me to Repton just up the road, about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile away. And I walked in, walked in the, into the gym and it was like, wow, you know, what's this? And then I'll tell you how I started because there was the trainer, Georgie Whiter there. Uh, he was a great man. And um, I was 11 and a half. I'm going back to about March 1962. I was 11 oh, and a no, half. No boxing at school other than unofficial. Oh, no, I started at school. but Okay. Yeah. So what happened, I went in the gym and he said to me, the trainer, Georgie Whiter, he said, uh, right, son. He said, have you ever boxed before? And the first thing I said was, no, sir, no, not at all. So he said, okay, get changed, go on the bag, and I'll come and see you. So I went, all right, then. So I started punching the bag, but, see, I was punching across myself with my left hand as a southpaw, just doing that. And he said, right, that's okay. Now throw your right hand. I said, I can't. He said, what do you mean you can't? I said, I can't throw my right hand. I'm left-handed. He said, okay, we'll turn around. So what I did, I just done a full circle and stood back there. Even no, he said the other way round, orthodox. I didn't even know what he meant. So oh. I stood there with me left hand, and he said, "Now jab." So I jabbed. He said, "Now throw your right hand." Right hand just came automatically. Oh, I said, "That's much better. I feel better like that." And Brilliant. so he showed me, you know, the the tricks and to, to do do the jabbing and moving. And uh, he said to me, "Right, you're going to come back on Thursday." because a lot of boys don't come back, you know. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And you know what? I was the first one there. 
on the Thursday, first right. one there on Friday, first one there the following Tuesday. And I just loved it, Steve. I just yeah. loved it. So so was, was this gentleman your first mentor? He was the first one to show me, yeah. 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 yeah, I think anyone who, who achieves it. anything in life has to have the right mentors at the right time or lucky Absolutely. enough, lucky enough to meet the right people at the right time. Yeah. So obviously you met this gentleman and, and he, he yeah. took you on to, to well, maybe he, he the, took, the next yeah, level. Yeah, I started doing better things. But the, I, I actually left the club, Steve. And the reason being, because Repton is the most, well, it's the biggest club in the, in the, in the country. It's had more champions. Yeah. than any other club in boxing history, even in the world. World boxing we're talking about. Famous. Yeah, it's amazing. And what happened was I didn't feel that I was getting the right, you know, at the time I didn't feel it was right. Um, and a lot of, because there was a lot of kids there, you sort of fought uh, the, to, to the, the trainer to get his attention, you know. So my dad knew this guy called Jackie Chapel. And he was associated with a club called Berna in Stepney. Berna Baron, it was called. So he said to me, look, if you want to go there, you can go there. So he said, I, I, I know J uh, Jackie Chap was a lovely fella. So I went, yeah, all right then. So I went along, liked it. And I said, OK, then I'll, I'll box for them. So I left Repton. And then I started doing it all with Berna that became St George's. And that's how I started. I was winning school titles, junior ABA titles. Um, and, you know, every, and I, I was lucky enough that, to win every title I went in for. But from there, I went to another club, believe it or not, in South London called Robert Browning. I won the ABA juniors there. Then I went back to Repton when Tony Burns became the trainer. Yeah. And everyone knows Tony Burns. Sure. I mean, he's, he's, he is Repton. Um, sadly passed last year, but he's a lovely, lovely man. And so I boxed under him for a couple of years, uh, won everything. And then I just turned professional from there. So, but yeah, and very critical. And so it's boxing only. It was, were, yeah. Well, were singing, you doing that other sports? No, well, I played football as we all do, you mm. know, I was, when I played football, I was always Jimmy Greaves. And the reason <laughs> being, as you know, I'm a Spurs fan. Sure. And as a kid, I just loved Tottenham. I went to see him. They won 5-1 I was in the 1960s, and that was it. And uh, I remember Jonesy, Cliff Jones, scoring two goals. And I, I just went mental. I went you mental. Were, you were hooked. Oh, straight away, yeah. Because what it was, we went over from... See, although I come from the East... I supported the North London club because my dad's side of the family come from over that way. You know, okay. they all come from uh, North London. And um, my dad, uh, Alexander Palace, they come from. Yeah. So we used to go over there. And then one day, my cousin, 1960 it was, he said to me, um, would you like to go and see football, a game of football? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 lovely, yeah. Uh, who, who is it? He went... Tottenham Hotspur, and I think it was Fulham. But the, the thing was, when he said Tottenham Hotspur, it was like a long name, you know, because you say, like, you could say Arsenal or West Ham. Yeah. Yeah. It's so small. Yeah. But Tottenham Hotspur. And I went, oh, yeah, all right then. 
So I went to see him, and as a course, that's what happened. And that was it. I was hooked. And it was just Spurs every time. And I just loved them. And I love watching you and, and everybody else. It was fantastic. Do you remember your favourite player when you first started watching, say, the 60s team? Do you remember your... Did you have a favourite well, player? You mentioned Cliff Jones. But... Uh, well, no, Jimmy Greaves was, was my... Yeah. was my idol. I wasn't really... I mean, Cliff Jones, when he scored those goals, were fantastic. He scored a header and then a, then a scored a, from the corner. Um, but Greavesy was just something special, as you know. Yeah. And you, you're my second favourite at Tottenham, believe it or not. You, you, well, you yeah, are. Right, you're John. my second great favourite. Uh, but Jimmy Greaves, I mean, the reason Jimmy... Because Harry used to score all the time, you know. Yeah. And so you'd be... And I used to have the hat with his name all over it. Wow. So uh, just, just, oh, it was just amazing. So, yeah, so I'm a, a, a yiddo, as we say. He was a professional goal scorer. That's how I call him. He I was know. a professional goal scorer. Yeah. And the, well, the, you had so many great times with him. The best I've ever seen. I, I didn't spend too long with him, but I used to, as an apprentice, used to watch him in training. Oh, and, imagine. you know, there's, of course, to be, a, I've got to be careful what I say here. I said <laughs> chess hunt last week when chess I was hunt. describing something and someone's pulled me up, rightly so, on the on the messages. Steve, no, we say chess hunt. <laughs> Don't get too posh on us. So I'm, yeah. I'm learning. But um, yeah, a wonderful time for you to get involved with Tottenham. And, and it stayed oh, that way. Well. Look, look in 1961, 62. Yeah. Um, very unlucky not to win that championship, the, the European, uh, you know, the chap, what's now the Champions League in 63, and then go forward there, 67, you yeah. know, the FA Cup. And by the way, I'm going to, uh, uh, what's his name, Mike England's birthday party this year. Wow. November. Yeah, wow. in North Wales. Yeah, so I'm going to give him your regards. So, um, John, you're living in the Wirral. On the Wirral, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. put people straight. You live up north. Um, is that to do with your wife, where she's from? It, it or? is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Ha- which happens a lot, doesn't it? My my mate's uh, up in Yorkshire because yeah. of his, uh, he's in Huddersfield uh, with a Yorkshire wife. Yeah. But, um, so you visit, you visit, um, you see some, a lot of Tottenham away games up north. I see a load of them. Yeah, I mean, you've you, well, you know who's up here. You've got so many teams around here yeah. that it's it's not far for me to go. Everton, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool. Man I mean, United, Man City, Man City. I, I, I used to go Man City. I, I went to Man City one game with. Um, oh, he, he should have played at Spurs. He said he wanted to play at Spurs, but he never played. Oh God, Somerby. Who? Summerby. Summerby. Mike Summerby. That was it, Mike. He's a lovely fella. I speak to yeah. him quite a bit, actually. But, uh, yeah, he wanted to play Tottenham. Oh, he yeah. was so devastated when he didn't play. And you get a good welcome at these clubs, John. You're welcome oh. as an away supporter, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, I go in and have meals with them all. That's respectful. And, you know, we, we all respect each other. That's very respectful. Oh, so, we have a good time. Fantastic. Yeah, well, it, it's great that you're a Spurs supporter. I mean, absolutely, un- unbelievable it's to be wonderful. a world champion. When you when you wake up in in the middle of the night, I bet you sometimes think I was world champion. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's amazing, really, Steve, because 
you know, obviously the amount of sportsmen around the world and sports lady, whatever, you know, you sort of think, oh, I can win this, I can win that. But to be a world champion, it was so different. But I tell you what I used to do, and this is absolutely true. When I was about 14, 15, my dad used to fetch home pieces of um, big, you know, like sheets of paper. There'd be something like two foot by, say, 18 inches. And I used to write my own bill out. And it was always the world title. And it was always Johnny Stracy, not John H. Johnny Stracy. That's lovely. He was the current world champion then in the six, late sixties, early seventies. And then I'd just tear them up and put through them in the bin. And then I'd say to me, Dad, look at this one, Dad. This is at Madison Square Garden. I'm boxing so and so and so and so. Wow. And he used to go, and he used to go, my dad. That's going to happen, son. That will happen. John, like you that. talked yourself into it. In a way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But I, I give a lot of time to it. It was, uh, you know, you know yourself because of what you've done. You don't just get there for the love of it. You get there for the work of it. And, yes. I'm, you know, as you as you do. And it was hard. I mean, training every day, the sparring. Um, because people don't realise when you have a fight, you're sparring. Say I'm doing 15-round world uh, a British title. I'm sparring 150 rounds. For that fight. Yeah. And then you've got your fight. So that's the hardness. Yeah. You know, and, and because you're still sparring like you're boxing. So you've got to be very lucky to get out of it as I did, you know, that why yeah. I never got hurt. People talk about my number of games uh, because it's a lot and and therefore and therefore how your body reacts to this. And I say, you know what, it's not so much about the games. How many training sessions you've got to have to play them games? Exactly. And that's what causes your body to, you know, I've got a bad hip and a, a new hip and all that stuff. So um, your other, you, 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 you just mentioned it a bit in one of the other questions, your love of music. Oh, yeah. And I've got to tell you, John, the man listening to all this in the control tower, and I've forgotten you so far, Tom. So welcome, Tom. Hi, Steve. Hi, John. Hi, Steve. Also for the Howard supporters, Howard's unfortunately a family funeral. Um, oh. So we're saying kindly that we've just loaned him out for a few days and he'll be back on Monday. So, uh, John, would you explain to Tom, because he's, he's a bit of a musician himself, would you explain yeah. to him your style of music? Well, I do sort of... Um, I, I, Tom, I do lots of... Uh, um, how can I say Tom? I can do Tom Jones, a bit of Tom Jones songs. Um, I'm very lucky that I can virtually sing anything. I've actually got an operatic voice, believe it or not. Wow, I don't really know how to control it, but I have got that. Um, and I can sing quite high as well. Um, but I do all the standard stuff, the Sinatra stuff, and you know, uh, a, a lot of I can do Johnny Mathis and stuff like that. But I intend to keep to the 60s, 70s stuff. And, uh, but, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I'll send him an, a, a CD that I've got. Brilliant. I've got a CD. I'll send him a CD. I did a, um, I did a bit of research before this, John, and I saw um, a video where you mentioned that your, one of your favourite songs to sing is Unchained Melody. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah I did my first 
I did my first post-COVID wedding the other day, and I performed it uh, at a pub in um, in Hampshire the other day, and also also a couple of Roy Orbison songs as well. I saw you. Uh, well, I, I do Roy Orbison as well. Yeah. I do In Dreams, and nice. uh, the the other one, the high one, um, you know, uh, what I mean. cry, crying. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's tough. It's a bit too high. <laughs> that's very tough. No, only only the lonely. That one. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. John, it, it's hard though. Go on, John. Can people book you as a singer of on, on they their can, events yeah. or their nights or their parties or whatever? Anytime they want. Do you know what I do, Steve? This is what I do. I do a mixture of everything. I, I do I do some songs, but I talk about how I got into boxing, um, and you know, and and the and the run up to it all. Of Great. The East End, the people I've met. I'm, I'm very lucky. I boxed on the Alley Bill. Um, Fantastic. In 1973, I met Muhammad Ali. Um, I've I've met Joe Lewis. I've I've met T- Tyson. Um, you know Mike Tyson. We're friends, um, and and so I've got to know everyone. Um, and I do a lot of cabaret when I go to the Hall of Fame, Boxing Hall of Fame. I do Fantastic. a lot of cabaret there. Um, and it's yeah, I, I, I'm I, you know I don't like to sound big headed, but I can do anything. So but when John- I do. When I John, do a night with me, sorry. When I do John, a night with me, go on. Yeah, go on. No, you when can, I do a you night can, with you me, can be as big headed as you want. <laughs> no, what I was going to no, say. No one's arguing. Okay, then I'll punch him if they do. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was when when I do a show, it's like I talk about my boxing career. I have my yeah. world title belt there. I'll show that. Brilliant. I have pictures there that sign and and you know get off me um and i do a full show i do like 45 minutes of of songs plus talking and where pictures taken and it's like a full evening with john h tracy so Brilliant. and i'm very lucky that i can do it all great john listen have you got an email where people can contact you i certainly have it's john h tracy at hotmail.co.uk brilliant well and the Stracey is S-T-R-A-C-E-Y. That's it. And it's all and one word, John H. Stracey. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. And I and I hope people take you up on that, by the way. Well, it'd be nice. I mean, a lot of people are surprised, Steve, because they look at boxers in a way that they don't look at anybody else. Yeah. First thing they say about boxers, oh, he's, he's look at him. He's gone a little bit. Look at him. Look at him. And they think boxers are thick because we just fight. But I know, you know, Baron McGuigan's not a bad singer. Ah, and there's okay. a lot of, lot of uh, uh, boxers who do, like, comedy and stuff like that. But yeah. people think because they box, they're thick. They've got nothing else they can do. But, you know, I, I wanted to be a singer, but I got in railroaded into boxing because I was always fighting. <laughs> but I, en- I enjoyed every minute of it. But, yeah, I'll do a show for anyone, whatever they want. Brilliant. We'll remind people of that email address, John. Yeah, how nice, how nice was Henry Cooper? Henry Cooper was wonderful. I I met Henry many, many years ago when I was a when I was a young lad, about 15. And he was always Sir to me. I always used to call him Sir, even before he became Sir. And then I was lucky enough to box on the bill when he boxed Joe Bugner. Wow. 1971 in March, and it was at Wembley. And I believe it or not, Steve, I was the fight before, right? I was the fight before. And all I wanted to do was get out the fight quick and see him fight Joe Bugner. 
So I think I won in about the fifth round, something like that. I got back to the dressing room. I changed quickly, had a shower quick, and then I run back and the one round had gone. And then I watched the fight from there. And I thought, I don't care what anybody says, Emily Cooper won that fight. He won that fight that night. But obviously, they give it to Bugner. But, John, um, we could go on forever, but we're limited by time. And we'll have you on again, that's for sure. We certainly will. It's Thank great. you very much for your time and give our regards to your lovely wife. Good luck uh, up uh, in the Wirral. Can I just say, I was reading a newspaper yesterday and uh, I said to my wife, I said, I don't believe this. It's got Arsenal top of the league. And then she said, John, your newspaper's upside down. <laughs> Come oh, yeah. on, idiots. Come Good, on. man. John, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom, as well. John, Thanks. we'll speak soon, eh? Thanks, John. I'll, send Thanks, him a, I'll send you a CD, Tom. Thanks, John. I look forward to it. Yes, mate. Up the Spurs. Up the Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. So, uh, yes. listeners, how good was that to listen to the great John H. Stracy? Uh, the next podcast is on Monday uh, to be put out on Tuesday. Our guest that day is Mr. Peter Taylor, good friend of mine, ex-Crystal Palace, England, and of course, the mighty Spurs. Uh, as a build-up to the Crystal Palace match the following weekend. So um, I told you about Howard, uh, unfortunately, at a, a funeral. John, before you go, any message yes. for Spurs supporters? Just keep following them, doing doing what we do. You know, I, I can't wait to get over there soon, as soon as I can get a chance. Um, just, just, you know, just be good. We, we don't want all these nutters, but be good. And, and I'm sure we're going to get up there this season. Support, um, I'm playing tomorrow. I'm playing golf tomorrow with Ronnie Moran. Wow. Give him my tomorrow. regards. Yeah, we've stand Give him my regards, right. please. It's at Ormskirk, so I will do. I'll tell him that. John, and try and get me an invite to Mike England's birthday party. I'll do that. Just got a message through from someone, trying to be funny. Ask John tonight if he's been double jabbed. So, again, thanks for listening. Um, great to be top of the league with other people far away from us. Hope you're all enjoying that fact and um see you all next week and really hope you enjoy this because uh, john's give us his time and his effort um and his energy to uh, to entertain us so thank you john and uh well done tom and come on you spurs mm-hmm.